Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. travelers at oh two of you okay all right have you enjoyed the time travels this this month we've been going back some of you have some of you enjoying it way too much from what i'm seeing right now i just noticed some of y'all right now we've gone all the way back to the 60s we moved into the 70s uh, into the 80s okay i can't get any help in here this morning and now we are into the 90s now now, the 90s are a little bit de- different, and, and so uh, we talked about the fact that time seems to go so quickly when you're in it, but then when you look back, doesn't it kind of seem like a decade is forever? Ten years is a long time, and we've been trying to learn the truths that the decades have taught us, and so we, we started in the 60s and moved up, and now we come to the poor 90s. I, I was so disappointed. The 80s had the best music, and now we come to the 90s, and... Oh, come on now. Come on now. I got, I got flogged before I even started. So each week we've been playing a little snippets of snow, some songs from each decade. And last week I took a little time. And, and so this week we're going to take a little time. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get your phone out. Get your phone out. Get your flashlight on so that we know when we hit your song. We will know, because some of y'all got some songs. Y'all all act holy up in here, and then I hear you when you're going down the street playing your song. And we might play your song this morning just to kind of remind you of what the decade was like. So, Danny, if you'll roll that track, let's see if we hear your song this morning. That's the
jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. do a series called karaoke i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know so the 1990s on uh on tv you would have watched saved by the bell uh frazier friends see some of y'all seinfeld you would have watched carson handoff to leno think well see that shows how some of how some of your old uh south park 
uh, Quantum Leap, and Will and Grace. So uh, uh, you would have shot for stuff like this, phones and cameras and computers and Game Boys and Beanie Babies and Pogs. Anybody remember Pogs? Nintendo 64, Nintendo 64, Pokemon cards. See, some of y'all remember, I know, I know, I know. Um, in the theaters, you would have watched stuff like this. A Few Good Men. Uh, Toy Story. Braveheart. Home Alone. Titanic grosses a billion dollars at the movie theaters. The, the most of all time, I guess, at that point. Pulp Fiction. Terminator. Uh, uh, the Matrix and Jurassic Park. Those are what you, okay. So then in sports, Major League Baseball went on strike. And the best basketball player of all time, no argument, it's not LeBron, Michael Jordan and the Bulls won six championships. Six. Six. We'll have prayer for those who know. Oh, yeah, North Carolina. Six. I, was going to, I thought it was a LeBron hat, and I was going to have to lay hands on you. Um, so then an, a war broke out on ice between Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Remember that? There were rap wars uh, that took place. Uh, Tupac was shot. Uh, notorious B.I.G. Some, I'm educating some of y'all right now. It was an East Coast, West Coast war in the rap world. And uh, dominating the airways would have been guys like Vanilla Ice and Garth Brooks and Janet Jackson and Nirvana and Pearl Jam usher in the grunge scene and sound. And then those bands give away to the boy bands. And then all of a sudden the Mouseketeers grow up and they take over, you know. And there were major world events like this. Now, here's the difference. For many of you in the 90s, you actually experienced these worlds of world events live. You watched them on screen as they unfolded. Stuff like this. The World Trade Center bombing. Not 911. This is before that. The World Trade Center bombing. Uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. The L.A. riots. Uh, and Rodney King saying, can't we just all get along? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Gulf War took place. Uh, David Koresh and Waco took place. O.J. Simpson was acquitted because if it doesn't fit, you got to... Okay, yeah, see, I figured. See, How about this one? Columbine High School in the 90s. It was a different day. Uh, there were some uh, other things that happened. Scandal returned to the White House because of Bill Clinton's issues. Uh, Nelson Mandela is released from prison in South Africa and becomes president. R uh, Rwanda experiences the major genocide and civil war and 500,000 people perish and die. It was unbelievable. Uh, this is interesting uh, to me. A new house in 1990 cost $123,000, but by the by 1999, the same house was now $131,700, and in 1990, the average income per year was $28,970, but by the end of the 90s, it was $40,810. It was a uh, interesting decade. Uh, some other things is this. The, the, in the 80s, there was this uh, success and mad dash for more, but in the 90s, it was a technology explosion. In the 90s, uh, cloning, the, the first uh, sheep was cloned in the 1990s. Stem cell research took over in the 90s. Uh, this one still blows our mind. We don't even know what it's like not to have this anymore or to have never had this. But the Internet 
becomes available for general and public use. I'll prove that to you here in a second. So because it's now available for public use, this happens. Remember this? Napster comes along. And you can share music over the internet through Napster. Some of y'all don't even remember Napster. Uh, MySpace. Yeah, see, some of y'all, some of y'all. Uh, and then eBay is launched in the 90s. So here's, here's how big the internet was. And, and to, this, this is the mushrooming of technology. In 1994, think about this now. In 1994, only 3 million people had access to the internet. By 1998, 100 million had access and were online. Uh, and, and then by 1999, one year later, nearly a billion people are accessing the internet. We move from in God we trust to in Google we trust. Yeah, see, uh, in the 90s, Google was started in a garage by two guys, and now they're in over 60 uh, country or 50 countries, and they have 60,000 employees. The information age was upon us. Information was at our fingertips. My, my cell phone now has about 20 or 30 more times, if not more than that, uh, memory than my first computer ever had. It's, it, it's ridiculous. The, uh, so each decade there's been this mantra. Let's see if we can remember. In the 60s, it was this. If it feels good, yeah. In the 70s, it was the devil. Right. In the 80s, it was all about more. We had to have more. It was this mad dash for more. Bigger is better. But now we are in the 90s. And the 90s teaches us this, that, or at least tried to teach us this, this, that technology would solve all of our problems. We, we are smart enough and wise enough to figure out everything for ourselves. And we've come to this conclusion in the 90s that knowledge is power. And so the, the decade of the 90s is the decade of information. Uh, I've been referring just kind of in passing each week to the scene in, in, in the Garden of Eden because in the Garden of Eden you see these four decades play out very clearly. And we're going to spend a little more time. We're going to land there today. But, but let me just rehash real quickly. In the Garden you see the 60s because... Uh, if it feels good, do it. Eve walks into the garden and she sees this fruit that looks good. It looks pleasant to the eyes and she just makes up her mind. Even though God has forbidden it, it looks good. So she eats of the fruit. But then she graduates into the 70s because the 70s is the devil made me do it. And it's a blame game. So now Eve blames the serpent. Adam blames the, the wife and the serpent blames God. It's, it's ridiculous. It's all about blame. In the 80s, they graduate to the 80s because, see, they had access to all the trees. But now... They got to have that one additional tree that they've been restricted from. And then we come to the 90s. Let's join me here in Genesis chapter 2. You know this account, most of you. In Genesis chapter 2, we will see the 90s, believe it or not. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, and then verses 15 through 17, and then verse 25 says this. Then God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he put the man he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, God took the man and set him down in the garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. And God commanded the man, you can eat from any tree in the garden except 
from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from this tree, you're dead. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, but they felt no shame. Verse 25. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it. Actually, this is, uh, this is chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she, this is what she'd get out of it, she would know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate and immediately the two of them uh, did see what's really going on. They saw themselves naked and they sewed fig trees or fig leaves together as a makeshift clothes for themselves. And when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. They hid from God. And God, God called to the man, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. All four decades, we find the 90s because this account shows us that Adam and Eve had a routine. It's very clear from this passage that, that Adam and Eve had this daily routine. It was this. Every day, I don't know if it was at the beginning of the day or the conclusion of the day, I just know that at some point during the day, they would go and they would walk with God and they would talk with God and they would interact with God and they had this relationship with God. But now, and it says about them that they were naked and they had no shame. They were naked, but they had no shame. But now we read that what takes place is they pursue knowledge, information, wisdom. They, 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 they see all the trees in the garden, but they want the one tree that contained all the knowledge. And they see what they would really get out of it. They would know everything. The snake tells them, you'll be like God. And they buy into it and they eat. And the next thing we discover is now they're hiding from God. And not only that. They are enlightened to their own nakedness. That's the 90s, y'all. That shows us the danger of the 90s. It shows us this, is that, that information is, is essential, but not at the expense of intimacy. That's the picture of the 90s for us. In other words, they... If you go back to this account and you read it, after they eat from the, this tree that they were not supposed to eat of, they gain more knowledge, so they know more, but they are less known. Did you hear what I just said? They know more, but they are less known. Isn't that the dilemma that we found ourselves in in the 90s? We became more connected than we've ever been in our entire life. We had instant messaging. We had all these uh, applications that started to be launched that would keep us connected with one another. I can't, you can't get away from each other. Before we had to actually dial a landline and you were connected by a cord. But now in the 90s, you can go anywhere and you can't get away from anybody. They can call you at any time. We're connected by information. And now we come to this place where even today we see the explosion. We move all that information from our waist to our wrist. It's just the explosion. There's news updates, sports updates, there's check-ins. And even though we are more connected, may I submit to you, we're more connected. I haven't made up a word in a long time, so I'm going to make one up. We're more connected, but we're less covenanted. We're connected by information, but we're not in the same amount of covenant that we were. So Adam and Eve increased knowledge, but their increased knowledge breaks their intimacy with God. 
That is the 90s in a nutshell, right there. We gain so much more information, but we're less known. So Jesus walks into our world, and He walks into our experience, and in one obscure passage of Scripture, we can discover that Jesus understands what the issue is. He, Jesus recognizes the problems of the 90s. In one obscure passage of Scripture, He comes in and he, he recognizes the issue and He tries to fix our problems. He wants to say to us that He knows how to shrink the gap and resolve this issue. It's Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Listen to what He says about what it says about Jesus. It says, it says And He appointed twelve who he, whom He also named apostles so that He might be with them. Did you catch it? I want to read it. I'm, I'm not going to stop this time. I'm just going to read it. And he appointed twelve whom he had also named apostles so that he might be with them and, he, and that he might send them out to preach. Did you catch the order? Jesus fixed the order that we had messed up in the 90s. Notice the progression. Does Jesus give his disciples, his apostles information? Absolutely. They had to have knowledge to be able to go out and preach. So it wasn't that, it's not that Jesus is against knowledge. Listen to me. We don't want you to get saved and be dumb. Alright, we don't want you to get saved and lose your mind. Jesus says to them, listen, I'm going to give you the knowledge you need to be able to go out and preach. You've got to have knowledge if you're going to go out and be effective when you preach the gospel, right? That's what he says. But I want you to understand that the dilemma here is this. We have become consumed with the idea of knowledge. I'm going somewhere. See, I stay in the progression. He says, I'm calling you to be with me and then I will send you out to preach. But we become consumed with knowledge so that now what we do is we want to get our heads filled with all this knowledge, information. Come on, preacher, be profound. I need you to be profound. If you're not profound, you can't do nothing for me. Come on, author. I need you to go deep. Take me deep, Arthur. Uh, the author of this book, I need you to take me deep. I got to know more. I got to know more. I got to know more. I need you to move me. You're just too shallow. Ever heard that one? I heard that one recently. Your church is just too shallow. We've got to have more. Give me more wisdom and information. But Jesus says this. He, he calls the disciples to first be with Him. We missed the progression. He, he didn't want them to be stupid. He didn't want them to be uninformed. But He needed them to understand that the progression is this. I need you to come and be with me first. And if you're with me, then I can bring you into a place of knowledge. Because this is what Jesus understood. That knowledge that changes us is birthed in intimacy. That's our, I know we're not in the 90s now, but isn't that our dilemma right now? Our dilemma right now is we come to church week after week and we gain more knowledge, but then we go home and we never really grow in intimacy with Christ. And so all the knowledge that we obtain on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday has no ability to transform us or change us because we're not intimate during the course of the week. And we fill our heads with all this profound wisdom and knowledge and preachers are taking us deeper and worship leaders are taking us deeper and teachers are taking us deeper, but we don't gain any intimacy during the course of the week and so the wisdom and the knowledge that we gain is all head knowledge and it has no impact on our heart knowledge that changes us is birth and intimacy jesus knew that from from what happened in the garden of uh, of, uh, uh, of 
of this paradise of Garden of, of Eden, that, that what happens is this, is that knowledge absent of intimacy leads to shame. When you have knowledge but you have no intimacy, it leads to fear. When you have knowledge with no intimacy, it leads to pride. Knowledge without intimacy is the difference between being a fan and being a follower. Let me see if I can explain. Uh, fans have great knowledge of their team. If I went around the room, I, I, we've got some sports fanatics in the room. I know we do because I know some of y'all because that's all y'all talk about sometimes. And so I know you know all about your team. I can ask you questions about your favorite team and you can tell me all their stats, man. You got, they got a 6'9 guard from such and such place. He scored 2,000 buckets in high school his senior year. And you can tell me all the stats. You've got knowledge about your team. But you're not intimate with your team. I mean, when's the last time they asked you to come stand on the practice floor and practice with them and run up and down the, the, the field with them? They, you, we, we all, we, we've, got, we've got so much knowledge as fans that we think we're followers. We sit in the stands and we play quarterback as if we know. See, I, April's nodding at me because her husband's a football, high school football coach. And we all know, boy, if he'd have run this one right now, he would have, they'd have broke off 30 yards. They'd have won the game. And we all think we know because we have knowledge. The, the dilemma is, is we don't have any intimacy. We're not in the team meetings. The, we, we, okay. See, the, the problem is this, y'all. Out of the 90s, we learned this. You can have information and have no intimacy in fact may i just tell you this morning that the truth is is that knowledge can be a false indicator of intimacy it, it oh. knowledge can be a ha, haven't you met people like this Maybe not in the 90s, but maybe met them last week where they know all about a subject, subject, but they don't really, they don't have any intimacy with the inner workings. Like, they can fix all the world's problems because their head's full of all this knowledge, but they don't have any, haven't you met Christians like that? Should I say it like that? Haven't you met Christians like that, that have all this knowledge and they can quote chapter and verse, but they have no intimacy no relationship. Jesus experienced that. That's the atmosphere that Jesus walked into. He met religious leaders who were knowledgeable to a fault. You go back and read the New Testament and what you understand is that the Pharisee and Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the Zealots and the, the Jewish people in general had massive amounts of information about God. One of the most incredible things about going to Israel is you recognize that they know the Bible better than we do. At least the Torah, first five books of the Bible. Did you know that there are children eight and nine years old in Israel right now that can quote the entire Torah word for word? And the only verse we can memorize is Jesus wept. And you got eight and nine year old little boys sitting at the wailing wall, rocking, praying the scriptures, reciting the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures. They had this knowledge even to this day, but they had no intimacy. So Jesus looks at them and he begins to talk to them and because the word says he came to his own and his own didn't even know him. They had knowledge about him, but they didn't know him. 
So he looks at them, and this is what he says about them. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You look like you know what you're talking about. When you stand up to preach, you sound like you know what to say. You sound like you've got wisdom and knowledge. When you stand up in the temple, you can confound us. And you're profound and you've got all this wisdom and knowledge. And you can quote it. But there's no life in you. There's no intimacy in you. I wonder how many of us are at that place in our life where we know more than we used to know. But we're less known. I, I wonder how many of us have tons of knowledge about Jesus, but we haven't been intimate with Him to the point that we are transformed by the knowledge that we've obtained. Reminds me of uh, uh, an account of uh, a teenage uh, boy that uh, his mom and dad approach him they they had uh, a, a teenage boy and there was a pretty big gap between him and his sister his sister was much younger uh three or four years old and and so they come to him and they because all parents are supposed to give kids chores right so son this is your chore your chore is at night you're going to be responsible for reading your little sister bedtime stories so she can go to sleep so he starts it out and he, he reads the, the, you know how little kids are. They like the same stories over and over again. I, uh, we want to read new stories, but this little girl wanted the same story over and over again. And so after a couple months, he's growing weary of the same story over and over again. So he gets a great idea. He decides that what he'll do is he'll take out a tape recorder and he will record himself reading the story. And so he records the entire story. And the next night he comes into the bedroom with his little sister and he says, Sugar, sis, I'm going to, I'm going to do this instead of me sitting here reading this story to you what i'm going to do is i've been really smart what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to give you this tape recorder and this is how it works all you got to do is push play and every time you want want to listen to you you don't even have to wait till bedtime now now you can listen to your bedtime story anytime you want to isn't that great and the little girl looks at him and then she looks at the machine and then she looks at him and then she looks at the machine and then she looks at him and she finally says this, but it doesn't have a lap. So my question this morning is this. When is the last time you approached Jesus for more than information and knowledge and you were intimate enough with him to crawl up into his lap. When's the last time that, that you said to him, listen, I don't want to just know more. I want to know you. The 90s said this to us, you need more information. What Jesus says to us is this, I, I need you to understand, you need more intimacy. When is the last time you were more concerned about spending time with Him than, than you were about just marking time at a church service because that's what Christians do and we go and we gain information and we get smarter about His Word and we get smarter about His truths and we learn the principles of the kingdom and we learn the road, the, the Romans road and we learn the four steps to being blessed and we learn the, all this information. When's the last time you approached Him just to get to know him. First Corinthians chapter eight, 
says this. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, check this out, he is known by Him. That's the difference between just having information and having intimacy. The word there, known, in the, in the Hebrew, in, in Genesis, when it says Adam knew his wife, it's the same exact word here and in the Greek, but the, the, the Hebrew word was uh, yada. It means to be known, fully known. And what God is saying to us is that if we would encounter Him and experience Him with intimacy, we would gain wisdom and knowledge. But the most important thing is this, we would be known. Known. So this morning, I just want to challenge you. Catherine, if you'll come to the keyboard. What I, what I want us to do is I want us to take some time... Um, I hope that when you come into Passion Church week after week that you leave with more information. I have a real heart that the the, the, the Scripture is clear that we should uh, move from milk to meat. So that means there's this growth in our wisdom, growth in our knowledge, growth with information. We don't want to just come in here and you go out of here and, and you feel like, I don't know any more than I knew because we want to fill you with the information and the knowledge about God's Word and what He expects of us and the principles He's called us to live by. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If all you gain is wisdom, but you don't have any intimacy, we've missed it. And my concern becomes this. We can come in week after week and sing songs that should move us to a place of crawling up into Jesus' lap and spending time with Him. But what we really care about is can you, can you be profound? Can you gain knowledge? Can I grow in my wisdom? And we miss our opportunity to crawl up in Jesus' lap and just be known by Him. To know Him. And to be known by Him. Does Jesus want to send you out of here to preach the good news? Absolutely. Does he want you to go out of here and make a mess of it and come off stupid? No. But his most and deepest desire is that first he is with you so that he can position you and teach you. And so that you'll be more than just a fan. You'll be a follower. So this is what I want us to do this morning. We're just going to take a few moments. We're not going to drag this out, but if I bring you in here and give you a bunch of information about the 90s and about Scripture, but I don't allow, to allow time for intimacy with Him, then we've missed this. So we're just going to take a moment as, uh, as Catherine plays, Julie, if you'll join her, uh, we're just going to allow just a few moments for you to find a place. For some of you, it will be at your chair. You'll kneel at your chair. For others of you, you may need to... To, to get out of the routine of things so that you can just go through the motions and not think about it. Maybe you need to step out and come and spend a little time at an altar and, and just, just a short amount of time making sure that you've had an intimate moment with Him. Intimacy. More than information this morning is what we need. So as they play, would you begin to just seek Him for just a moment? Then I'll come back and pray over us. But I want to make sure that we spend a little bit of time in intimate fellowship 
with him. Father, this morning I pray that you would allow us to crawl up into the lap of Jesus this morning. Jesus, I pray that you would allow us to hear the call that you want to be with us. That you want to be with us. Our tendency is, is that we want to run after knowledge and wisdom, but this morning we run after you. Like a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. Help us to be intimate today, I pray in Jesus' name. Would you find a place to pray real quick? Just spend a few moments in intimacy with him.
Father, our prayer this morning is simply this. That the knowledge and the wisdom that you have given us as a gift from Sunday to Sunday would begin to transform us based on the intimacy that we develop with you and that we sustain with you and that we maintain with you during the course of our week. God, there are some of us in this room today that have had the benefit of great knowledge and wisdom poured into us. And sometimes we sit around and we wonder why all that we've learned and all that we've gained hasn't really impacted us and we haven't seen the transformation and the change in our heart that we wanted. And Father, I pray that right now you would show and reveal to each and every one of us that the missing ingredient is not knowledge, it's intimacy. That as we're with you, that as we spend time with you, as we crawl up in your lap, it's in those moments that you begin to pull from the knowledge that we've gained and it begins to have transformative power and brings life. Father, we don't want to have some form of godliness with no power. We don't want to be like the Sadducees and the Pharisees that know all about you but don't really know you. God, we don't want to come to this place where we go to work and we can tell people all kinds of information about Jesus and then they walk out of the room and they begin to say things like, He doesn't really know Him. He just knows about So, Father, I pray that the intimacy that you want to develop in us would begin to transform us and we would be known by you and we would know you and that when people come into our lives at work and at school and in the neighborhoods that we live in when they speak to us we may not be that profound but we would be people that they recognize like was said about the disciples they were unlearned but they were recognized as men that had been with God Father, I pray that we would be people that when people bump into us, they wouldn't just get wisdom and knowledge. They would bump into us and get you. We would be so intimate with you that you would rub off. I ask that in the course of this next week, in all of our dash and desire to gain wisdom and knowledge in our work, in our relationships, that Father, we would also be equally diligent about chasing after you. I ask that you would accomplish this. us and that we would pursue you. I ask you would accomplish this. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Would you look at your neighbor and give him a high five and say, he wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants to know you.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 